Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. What a week. What an evening. Let me start with the evening first. It's a minor issue, but I want to get it off my chest. I've been watching the Democrat the candidates for the uh, presidential nomination. They are on tonight. They are someplace in Ohio, and they are are being interviewed, uh, asked questions. There are 12 on the stage, too many people, number one, and they're going to be on there till 11 o'clock. And I, I've just got to make a couple of statements regarding these uh, debates. Number one, Bernie Sanders should get the hell off the stage. I like Bernie Sanders. I have admired him my whole life. He speaks the truth from his guts, what he considers the truth. And the man's honest about it. And he's got a lot of good ideas. I don't agree with everything, but he does have a lot of good ideas. Some are too far out, impractical, but good ideas. The man's had a heart attack in the last, what, two weeks? He's out of his mind. He will not survive a campaign if he's the candidate. He will die. I don't know how he's doing it. I've got a bad heart. I wouldn't even consider it. (laughs) Okay? For his own good, he should get off. But he won't. Uh, There's a new candidate up there tonight, the billionaire. His last name escapes me. I apologize. Straker, Spraker, Tom, Spraker, Straker. And it's disgusting. I've heard the man speak before. I'm impressed with his intelligence. If the man made himself a millionaire, uh, I guess you should be impressed. But they don't give him a chance to speak. He had an opening statement, and he's been asked one question in the first hour of the debate. I watched the first hour. I'm off now for a half hour, and I'm going to go right back when the show is done. Uh, They don't give him a chance. And that's one of the problems with these debates. Those asking the questions, those from... Tonight at CNN, another night at MSNBC, uh, CBS. It's those monitoring, those asking the questions. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They're trying to control what they think is going to be a mess up there, and it really isn't going to be. And they cut people short, and they ignore people. Tonight they're ignoring this guy, Tom Spraker, Straker, whatever his name is. He's got his hand up all the time. No one questions him. And in the first hour tonight, I would say that, 70% at least of the questions asked were asked of the three leading candidates, uh, Warren, Biden, and Sanders. What about the rest of the people? Give them a shot. We're still over a year away from the election. We really still don't know who it's going to be or even have a good idea. Uh, So those are the things that bother me. And they should bother you, too, because, you know, let's do things the right way. And, again, the people asking the questions, I, I, I get upset every time I watch the debate. They, they, they're in control. This is, they're the boss. This is their time. Uh, what else did I want to say? I've got so much to cover tonight. Trump has had a hell of a week, hasn't he? 
Uh, I can't believe this man. He causes more trouble than any anyone ever. I'm 84 years old. I've never seen anyone cause this much disruption, big-time disruption. Uh, I'm smiling as I say it. I'm laughing. And we elected him. Oh, my God. And we could elect him again. Oh, my God. That's what bothers me. Uh, we're a screwed-up country. I don't know how we get unscrewed. We will. This, this country, I, I, I believe the last time this country was in this kind of shape was with the Vietnam War. It probably was worse in the 1850s. This is, I don't know, in the years before the Civil War, where you had uh, everyone fighting who was for slavery, who was for states' rights, who wasn't for states' rights. And, I mean, one congressman or one senator hit another on the head with his cane on the floor of Congress. It was that kind of a time. And we're into that kind of a time. we got to cut this out. I don't know how, but it will pass. Everything like this always seems to pass. All right, let me talk about what's on my mind tonight. Uh, some of you will agree. Some of you will disagree. What can I tell you? Uh, this thing with Turkey invading Syria to get the lands controlled by the Kurds and how we have handled it. Absolute shame. Absolute shame scares me, too, because it could be the beginning of another world war. I keep saying this. Nobody listens to me. A week ago Sunday, Donald Trump had a telephone call with Erdogan, the president of Turkey. Uh, it wasn't a planned phone call. No one knew about it in Trump's hierarchy, none of his advisors. And we have a 1,000 troops in uh, northern Syria who are assisting the Kurds. They don't fight, but they're there. They've taught them things over the last four or five years, provided support to them uh, in an educational way, a material way, and so forth. And because of them, because of these Kurds who have been loyal to Americans for many years, and the United States has been loyal to the Kurds, ISIS is just about defeated, if not defeated, in Syria. Very simple. And the Kurds bear the responsibility. They were able to accomplish it together with the United States. Somehow out of that telephone call that nobody knows how it got started, uh, Trump gives Erdogan permission <laughs> for Turkey, if he wants, to invade Syria and go after the Kurds. Now, Trump came off that telephone call, and it was announced. And I couldn't understand this. Uh, why is he doing a favor to this? He's another despot, by the way, the president of Turkey. Why is he doing this guy a favor? Uh, telling him, okay, you can go. And it just did not make sense to me. It doesn't, did not fit at all. It got worse in my mind the next day on Monday when Trump said, if he hurts our soldiers at all, you know, in any fashion, I'm going to create an economic war, a terror war with Turkey. I will destroy Turkey. My God, isn't he a brave man, Donald Trump? It takes at least a year or more for a tariff to have any effect. He's going to bring an economic war against Turkey after they've already gone in and killed hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, in this war that they they started. Because Turkey went in the next morning, Monday morning, invaded Syria. Now Trump makes it sound like, I don't know, oh my God, and he better not do this. He's a brave man, Donald Trump. Anyhow, uh, Trump said that after the Sunday night meeting, he was going to pull all of our 1,000 troops out of the northern part of Syria. Uh, 
because we've got to get out of these wars. I promised the people in the 2016 election, we are going to get you out of these wars and out of these countries and bring our boys home. So here, where our boys were not in danger, and it was only a handful of thousand, I'm going to pull them out. ISIS has been defeated. Well, and then on Tuesday, it sounded like he had taken our troops out, or they were moving out fast. And we saw pictures, you know, of the trucks going down the road, our trucks, and our guys had to get out of there. And I'm wondering, how the hell is he doing this? Every time we had to pull out, remember when we had to get out of Vietnam? Oh, my God. You can't get out of these countries that fast anytime, anywhere. You've got to get your machinery out, your equipment out. You've got to have the planes or the trucks coming in to take your boys and girls out who are fighting for you. But he made it sound, oh, they got this whole thing done. Did you recall this past Wednesday, this is Wednesday of last week, that it's not even a week, it'll be a week tomorrow, Wednesday, our president said on Wednesday, and I quote, we have no soldiers in the area, you know. We've, we're, we're getting out of endless wars. We're getting out of endless wars. We have to do it. We still had soldiers in there on Wednesdays, I'll point out to you in a second. On Thursday, Trump said, and we still had most of the soldiers in uh, the northern part of Syria, the president said, and I quote, We are out of there. We are out of there. We've been out of there for a while. No soldiers whatsoever. We have no soldiers in Syria. Quote, unquote. Well, what did we find out in the last 48 hours, okay? Only of the thousand soldiers there, only 50 were removed. They they had two little outposts someplace they were taking care of. They, they're gone. 950 Americans are still stuck in Syria. He never tried to take them out. Now what's happening? Well, the Turks got the war going. They're moving up north. The Kurds are fighting. Uh, ISIS. There were I think 11,000 ISIS prisoners. That's why. We, we defeated ISIS because they're all in jail uh, or dead. Now they're escaping from the jails because the Kurds were watching the jails to keep them in prison, but now the Kurds have to fight the war against the Turks. So these people are, the ISIS is escaping. You're going to have an upsurge in ISIS uh, committed uh, uh, bad things. Not only there, they're going to come back to the United States, to Canada, to Paris, and so forth. This is a big group, and man, you kept me in jail. I'm going to get even with you people. Okay. So now we find out we got 950 still there. He doesn't explain. Trump never explained. He didn't explain why he gave permission to Endrogen to go in in that Sunday telephone call. I don't think he gave permission. I think Endrogen told him, I'm going in. You do what you want, uh, because they all know Trump's a pussy. He talks big, but he doesn't perform. Uh, so now what happens? We got 950. They're getting stuck in the war. They got so they got the war going on around them, and they can't. We cannot get our troops out of northern Syria. We have 950 men there who we cannot get out because they're in the middle of the war. They're not part of the shooting war yet. But they said a couple of days ago, we're going to have to shoot to protect ourselves. And it was said yesterday, it was announced by the Trump administration, they were going to airlift those 950 soldiers out of northern Syria. Hasn't happened yet. Why haven't the helicopters gone in or the bigger planes and t- t- taken our people out? They're still there and in jeopardy's way. Uh, now, 
I don't know if you people like what I'm saying, but I've got to say, this is how I feel. Uh, he lied to us. Did he lie to us, or he didn't know what the hell he was doing Sunday night in that telephone call? Did he lie afterwards when he said, uh, you know, i got to get our people out. we got to stop doing these things. Uh, it, he made a mistake. He's inept. He's ignorant. I say this with all due respect. The man is ignorant. He doesn't understand history. He doesn't understand anything. I can't wait till we see his tax returns. I can't believe he's made the kind of money he said he made. Very simple. And you've got to understand something else. He has two major hotels in Turkey. And I reported this week, I found somewhere, that he has an interest, business interest, in 119 different businesses in Turkey. Okay, so now... Trump wants to correct things in Syria without saying he made a mistake. He started this whole thing. He started the fire. He's the arsonist who started the fire. And guess what? The arsonist wants to be the fireman now to put out the fire. He's crazy. doesn't make sense to me. Uh, He's the one. He's the one, Donald Trump, who let the fox in the hen house. He let the Turks go into Syria one by his weakness, by his strength, by his I don't know, I don't know. But he let the fox in the hen house. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. So that's the story so far. Uh, now Trump's going to fight him with sanctions. Sanctions take forever to take effect. Uh, he has threatened him. He's gonna, and he's now called, Trump called yesterday for an immediate ceasefire. Who the hell's listening to Donald Trump today? The whole world knows you can't depend on Trump. He is a pussy. I'm going to say it again. He talks big, but he doesn't perform. And when he does perform, he screws everything up. Look what he has accomplished with the trade war with China. Really? Huh? Big deal. Look what he's done to the American farmers in the Midwest. Look what he's done to the manufacturing plants that are still going to Mexico, the car manufacturers. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what to do. Uh, He's sending Pence over. I think Pence leaves today or tomorrow with a delegation to talk to Androgen to see if he can bring an end to this bloody situation, Uh, the situation he created. He's sending number two over. Uh, I don't think anything's going to come of it unless we give away Washington, D.C. I'm serious. Uh, But we shall, we shall see. So that's the story now. Now, the other thing is Trump talks crazy, you know. Why should I help the Kurds, he said Monday morning or Sunday night. He said, they didn't help us. They weren't on our side during the Second World War. They weren't at Normandy. Well, let me ask you something. Germany and Japan weren't on our side during the Second World War. They didn't help us. The Germans may have been at Normandy, but they weren't on our side. Side, okay, and yet they're our friends today. We do things for them big time. Uh, why don't we do things for the Kurds? Because we did it for our enemies, do it for people who didn't fight against us. Very simple. I don't, the man doesn't understand. He comes up with excuses uh, that don't hold water. Let's talk about John Bolton now for a moment. John Bolton. I never liked John Bolton. John Bolton is a warmonger. I, I'm sure he sounds like an intelligent man, but his mind is warped. I've got to say it that way, his mind is warped. Uh, he believe, He's a hawk, a real hawk. Uh, America first, not in the same sense as Trump. America first, 
you, you, you step on me, I'm going to knock the hell out of you. That's his attitude. Don't tread on me, but he's going to kill you in retaliation, and he would do it. Uh, everyone seems to ride herd on him, and don't keep him too long in, in a job, an important job in Washington. Now, Trump fired him a couple of months ago, John Bolton. He was his national security advisor. He fires him. John Bolton at the time told reporters when they asked him, what have you got to say about this, why? He says, I'm not talking now. When I'm ready, I'm going to talk. Well, let me tell you something about John Bolton. He is like a woman scorned today, like a woman scorned. He's going to get even. He's going to get his retribution. He, he's probably going to be called before one of these congressional committees. He said this past week he was aware. He, he was aware of what Trump was doing, Giuliani was doing. He sat in on meetings with regard to Biden in the Ukraine. And he thought it was terrible. He argued with the president about this once. He said they were, it's like they were putting together a drug deal. He referred to Giuliani as a, and I quote, a hand grenade. <laughs> and Giuliani is. This man, who was a great lawyer, a great mayor, a great politician, he's changed. I, this is not the guy that I knew in, in past years. This man has changed. He's demented now, and he's past his time. He's younger than me, and he's past his time. Uh, bad man. He's going, he could end up in jail, or he could end up accused of something uh, criminally and then face perhaps jail. But that's John Bolton, and beware of John Bolton in the next two weeks. Remember when he speaks, he is a woman, as if a woman scorned. Now, Trump says Sunday night, got to get those thousand troops out of the out of uh, uh, the northern part of Syria. Got to get them out. Uh, we've got to start doing these things. I said we were going to do it. And in the meantime, we don't have a war right now, nor does Saudi Arabia, though they're fighting occasionally with Iran. One bombs somebody's oil tanker, one does something else. No big deal. They're sort of pushing each other around. But He's got a 1,000 people where he needs them now in northern uh, Syria. And if he didn't say he was going to pull them out right away, uh, Androgen would never have marched into Syria. Okay? Now, what is happening in Saudi Arabia? In the last, since May 1st, since May 1st, we have sent, Trump has sent, okay? Trump has sent 11,000 American troops to Saudi Arabia. Did you know that? We've sent, in what, four or five months, 11,000 American boys and girls to Saudi Arabia. We've sent also two squadrons of fighter jets to Saudi Arabia. He announced also this week he was sending more troops to Saudi Arabia. So I sit back and I say, why the hell are we sending troops to Saudi Arabia? This is the country. Okay, that took the American uh, newspaper man, Jamal Khashoggi. Remember what they did to him? He went into a Saudi Arabian embassy, and they killed him. And then they cut his body up, and they put the pieces in suitcases and walked out with it. But they, everybody in the world, our intelligence people, all say Saudi Arabians did this. We know it. We don't do anything. We still befriend them. Why do we defriend these people? Don't forget something. Fifteen of 
the people who were responsible for 9-11, where the total was what, 19 or 17, 15 of them were citizens of Saudi Arabia, okay? None have never been arrested. None have ever been charged. And this I will never forget, and it should bother you. It should bother every American citizen. Uh, I worked for a living. I made a lot of money, but I still got pissed off when certain things happened. Who gave us $4 a gallon gasoline? Our friends, Saudi Arabia. When they had the opportunity to control the cost, they were regulating it. They were screwing everybody all over the world, including their good friend, the United States, $4 a gallon gasoline. Uh, so why is he sending all these people over there, our soldiers? There's no war, really, that Saudi Arabia is involved in yet. If there is a war, it will be with Iran that Saudi Arabia will have. Uh, well, Trump tells us that he's got to send troops over there because we need, and I quote, a robust military capacity, unquote, robust military capacity, in the region to respond to any crisis, which means we're going to get in another war someplace else in the Middle East. we got to get our asses out of the Middle East, not leave our people there or send more people there. Let's talk a, a little bit about money and Donald Trump. Donald Trump has had very successful fundraising since the first of the year. In the first, and why not? He, he gave all the corporations and rich people in this country a major tax cut. Donald Trump raised for his political march $125 million the first quarter of this year, $125 million. Now, this all came to our attention in the last two weeks. Trump was in Minneapolis for a political rally, millions of people again. Now, he does one to two rallies a week. He started very, very early, and it costs money to do these rallies, okay? And the municipality, the city he goes to to have the rally, costs them money. You've got to have policemen and firemen. You've got to bring cops in from adjoining communities. You've got to control the area. The President of the United States is coming. There's going to be millions more people here on that night than ever before. You must be ready for anything that's going to happen. This costs money, and it costs in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. It happened to cost Minneapolis $530,000. Makes sense. Well, the mayor, who's a Democrat and doesn't like Trump, I'll, I'll be very frank and open about it, but the mayor of Minneapolis said, we can't afford $530,000. We're broke here. And he says, you're going to pay Donald Trump. We're not going to pay the bill for this. And if you don't pay, we're going to chase the government's ass to get it paid. What does Trump say? I don't pay these bills. I should not have to pay these bills. I am entitled. There's something in the Constitution. It's called freedom of speech. If I have to pay $530,000, okay, to come and speak in Minneapolis at a political rally, you are denying me my freedom of speech. You are denying me my freedom of speech. I refuse to pay. Well, this is typical of Donald Trump. <laughs> he, he, he is always screwing up the Constitution, twisting and turning it to make it sound like he's being denied his rights. Let me tell you something else he's doing. He's got $125 million raised in the first quarter alone this year. He and Facebook are in bed together. 
did you notice it was about two weeks ago that Zuckerberg had a private meeting with the president and his offices in, at the White House? Uh, what's happening? Trump is spending $1.6 million a week, $1.6 million a week, which is being paid to Facebook to run political ads, most of which are anti-Biden. Ain't nobody going to hurt Facebook in the next uh, 12 months. But <clears throat> my point is, he's got all this money, $1.6 million a year to one social media outlet alone, Facebook, uh, and to attack uh, Joseph Biden. Uh, so that's the story there, which now brings me to, ah, I like this one. You're going to like this one, okay? This is terrific. Maybe we should all do it. The city of La Margaritas, it's a farmer city, Las Margaritas in Mexico. The people got mad at the mayor, the mayor they elected. He had promised to do certain things, and he didn't fulfill his promise. What did he promise? He promised he would improve the roads. This is a farm community. He promised he would bring drinking water to the community. And he promised he would bring electricity to the community. This poor people. He accomplished none of this. What did they do? The mob went in. They went into his offices. They kidnapped him. And they, they tied him up, his arms and his legs, took him outside, put a rope around him. No, they didn't lynch him. They didn't hang him. But they tied that rope, which was 20, 30 feet long, to the back of a pickup truck. And they dragged him through the uh, streets of the city to show that they were displeased and unhappy. He had not performed. Uh, he didn't. Fortunately, he was not seriously injured. The mob followed, yelling and screaming. And when they finally released him, he said, "I'll get it done. Don't worry." It reminds me, you know, we see these movies of the old west. The Indians used to drag people that way, uh, and sometimes the bad cowboys did it too. But that's what happened in Las Margaritas. Maybe it should happen in other parts of our country, too, and some of our politicians who, i got to tell you, they jerk us off. Well, we, government sucks today. Probably always sucked. It's worse today. And people are going to do strange things when they're being oppressed. We've been in Afghanistan 18 years, going on 19 years. Long time. Do you know there are soldiers... Our boys and girls fighting in Afghanistan today, stay with me, who are just turned 18 years old. The war is 18 years old. We got our kids over there who just turned 18 years old. That's how long we've been in the war. And I'm not talking about one, two, three, ten, or a handful of 18-year-olds. Today, there are 15,364 of our military, 15,364 of our military fighting in Afghanistan, who are 18 years old in an 18-year-old war. What a disgusting shame. Now, and we got to get the hell out. We haven't beat them. Russia didn't beat them. That's what broke Russia's economy and caused the Soviet Union to go down in 1990 or 91. They, they kept putting more and more money to defeat Afghanistan. They couldn't. They went broke. But other people have gone in to fight the Afghans. The Afghans are tough people. They will not give up. They don't put up with anybody's, excuse me, my friendship. Alexander the Great couldn't beat him. All right? 
Genghis Khan couldn't beat him. These are all big people in the old days. And the British Empire, they all got their asses whipped and had to uh, leave. Let me talk to you quickly about the General Motors UAW strike here in the United States, which has been about four weeks now. They've got most of the issues resolved, except one, and it's a major issue, and I don't see how it's resolvable. The union says to General Motors, we want you to start closing plants in Mexico and bringing those plants back to the United States and putting our people to work. And General Motors says we can't afford it. We got cheap labor down there. You guys cost too much. We can sell the cars cheaper to the American consumer. It's not practical. It's not going to happen. They say it's got to happen or we're not going to go back to work. Who do you think is going to win this war if it goes on like this? General Motors. They've already lost $50 million or $90 million. They don't care. They'll make it up. They'll write it off on their taxes. What are these union people who are getting now 250 bucks a week from the union going to do? They got nothing to write off anywhere, and they don't have enough money to live on or feed their families. Poor thinking on the part of the union. Uh, prohibition. Oh, this is the last topic tonight. Prohibition. Prohibition, 1933. We hadn't been a drinking country for a way a long time. Well, they had the prohibition vote in 1933 in Key West. Key West voted 1,299 to 85, 1299 to 85 to repeal the 18th Amendment, which had prohibited, oh boy, uh, declared the prohibition for the sale of alcoholic beverages. It was a, Key West was a booze in town then. It's a booze in town today. That's all I wanted to say. That is the show for tonight. Thank you for joining me. I'm glad you joined me. And as soon as I give you my final goodbye, I'm up and out, back to the television set to see the rest of the debate. I do a blog every morning, keywestlu.com. Read it. If you like this show, you'll like my blog. It's short, and I, I beat people up, and I enjoy doing it, I have to be honest. Thank you again for joining me. I look forward 